people wonderful tck's thank you for joining me for another um podcast i'm not sure what this one's going to be called um my favorite things there we go i'll rip off sound of music this is a topic that comes up a lot with um the third culture kids that i'm working with because There seems to be this glitching for a lot of us around being able to identify and feel comfortable with our preferences. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person for whom the question, what's your favourite dot dot dot, becomes quite a stressful experience. I remember finding even choosing a favourite colour very confusing, trying to almost pre-script favourite book, favourite film, for these kinds of questions. And they would come up a lot, I think, because of the frequency of the getting to know you piece whenever um, I was transitioning between countries. Um, Especially as a kid, I think you you go into youth groups or you go into um, social settings and people are trying to get a handle on who you are and what's your favourite becomes sort of your classic icebreaker. But it also comes from well-meaning and caring people who want to um, adjust to your preferences. They want to uh, give you your favourite. But it gets so stressful. It can be incredibly difficult to answer this question. I think it's it's right up there with um, where are you from as a difficult question. And I just thought it would be a good um, topic to unpack a bit with you. This has come to mind um, not just because of how much it shows up in sessions with people, but because of an experience I had this last weekend as well went on a walk. Not an unusual thing around here. Um, Where I live, there's a lot of countryside, lots of nice walks, um, lots of dedicated walking areas. And I went with um, some of my favourite people. Ooh, that word, that was easy. And we stopped for a moment by some uh, rhododendron bushes. I say bushes, they become more like trees when they really get going and the twining tendrils and trunks had become really quite thick in this area and we thought it'd be a good spot to sit for a minute and I couldn't resist climbing them. Um, Don't get me wrong, I didn't get very high, but climbing trees was a massive feature of my childhood. However, I have learnt I can't do this with shoes on. I don't know if there's a science to this, which makes my inability to do this with shoes on perfectly rational, but I think it's probably more to do with my childhood. My early chapters of my story were full of climbing trees. I spent most of my time in a tree or falling out of a tree, and this was always done barefoot because anybody who's tried to climb in flip-flops knows that that's just um, dangerous. So we would as kids kick off our shoes at the bottom of the tree and climb up. There was one um, one boy I remember in my peer group for a few years growing up. I say for a few years because transitory, right? But he was an expert tree climber and kind of went at it like a koala, Australian as well as it happens. 
and I think I learned an awful lot from him, but it really was about using your feet as hands or your hands as feet um, and kind of operating on all fours. And as an adult, this has been a bit tricky because A, I'm now a 38-year-old woman and I'm not supposed to be climbing up trees according to the social niceties of England. But you're certainly not supposed to take your shoes and socks off in the middle of nowhere. Um, And of course, in winter, that's not an option anyway. Why am I going on about this? I'm noticing that my words have sped up, that my breath has shallowed. And I think it's anxiety. I think even just talking about this into my little microphone here and knowing that you are the gentlest of listeners, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing what you're supposed to enjoy bit wrong, not morally wrong, but deviant nonetheless. And what was so precious about this walk with these people is they didn't mind. They didn't treat it like it was weird. They just let it happen. I was climbing up and around trees in bare feet and it was fine absolutely fine. And that is a precious moment, I think, for a lot of us as TCKs, when we find space to introduce a previous part of our story, an early part of our story that doesn't quite mesh with our current context. And yet the people in our current context welcome it. Treat it as if it belongs. Treat us as if we belong. And so in that moment, I thought I'd push it a bit further. I asked if anybody would mind if I kept my shoes and socks off for a bit more of the walk. And these precious people were surprised I had to ask. But I felt I had to ask because I didn't know at what point the ground would become uncomfortable and I'd want to put my shoes on and then I'd need to ask them to wait and then... People could be impatient or frustrated with me, or perhaps it would weird them out that I was walking along in bare feet, which we don't do in England very much on public walks. And again, I was welcomed. And it was one of those, I was going to say moments, but basically for the next two hours, I was barefoot and it felt wonderful, really wonderful, not just because of all of the things you'll ever hear anybody say about going barefoot, that it makes you feel more connected to the earth, that you can um, feel your muscles and your body move a certain way. Um, I was so much more mindful about where I was putting my feet, for instance, which as somebody with um, a chronic joint condition, is actually a really welcome experience to just really lean into what all of my joints and muscles are doing to keep me stable. But it was more than that. It was more than about the present moment. As wonderful as it was to be mindful there, it was about one of those connecting points between back then and now. 
was reconnecting with an experience that was so normal for my child self, an experience that has felt inaccessible. And it's a sensory, somatic, whole body experience. And we know from books like um, The Body Knows the Score and um, writings about how the body remembers that, that our bodies are massive vehicles for keeping our story connected and keeping narratives wound into our tendons and bones and nervous systems. And it was wonderful. Wonderful to walk barefoot in England. And it reminded me about favourites. It reminded me about preferences because I prefer to be barefoot. And how easy it is to lose sight of preferences when we're in a context that doesn't seem to offer that as an option. At least not as a standard expected option. And I think this is part of what can happen to us when we're asked, what's your favourite? We don't always know what the options are to choose from. If asked, what's my favourite food? I'm trying to cycle around which country these foods are associated with that I love. And do we mean from anywhere or do we mean from here? If I'm asked what music is my favourite, I'm doing the same thing. For what context? Happy music? Sad music? Music when I want to cry or music when I want to dance? And what continents do these musical genre cover? It's the same with books. What's the context? Hobbies? What are the options? Can I say climbing trees? If you enjoyed a hobby in one place that isn't accessible in another, is that still your favourite hobby? Or do you need to lay that down and find a new one? Restaurants, drinks, colours, films. What's the context? Options changed for us and the social consequences weren't always obvious to us about different favourites, right? If you're in a group of teenagers and somebody says, what's your favourite food? It's a much safer bet in a lot of contexts to say pizza than it is to say fried bean cakes or kose from Nigerian street food sellers. One of my favourite snacks growing up was milk powder mixed with sugar. We used to buy it in twists of old exercise books. Paper that would unravel and reveal this sweet powder within. Can I say that as a favourite? Because it still is. Turns out you can buy milk powder in the UK and recreate it. But will it be understood? Will it just become a whole other thing to have to explain faces of incomprehension? People ask for favourites so they can connect. They ask you what your favourite thing is so that they can make a moment with you where they can say, oh, pizza, me too. What's your favourite toppings? It's often been such an alienating experience for so many of us when our favourites are just not relatable. They're just not relatable to the people who are asking the question. But I want to just create this moment here where we can really think about it, because I spent years avoiding it, avoiding even thinking about what my favourite anything was. I would 
make it into a moral virtue that I didn't have one. Oh, I don't limit myself. I keep my options open. No, I was just scared, scared of asking myself that because it required so many other hoops that I had to jump through around identity. So I'm going to rephrase it for us here. If nobody was going to get weird about your answer, what would be one of your favourite foods right now? I want you to hear how I asked that. If no one is going to get weird about it, what is one of your favourite foods right now? If no one's going to get weird about it portion... It's because I want to lift us out of the social impact and consequence that we're often so highly conscious of. It was easier for me to ask about being barefoot because I had a certain trust in the people around me that I was with, that they weren't going to get weird about it. And I had that trust because I'd seen them not get weird about me climbing the tree. But as soon as we think somebody's going to get weird, we don't even give ourselves the space to want a thing. So let's lift out of that. If nobody was going to get weird about it, what food, colour, music, drink, restaurant, film, book, hobby, anything else you can think of, what would it be? The other piece in that phrase is one of your favourites. Because you don't have to choose. It's almost impossible for us to come up with a singular answer to so many of the questions we're asked in any getting to know you situation. Favourite holiday destination, favourite place you've ever lived. I mean, honestly, it's like choosing between your children. So instead of deciding we don't have any, what about one-off? You don't have to choose. You're just talking about what you like. In fact, we can change that again. If no one is going to get weird about it, what is one of the things you like right now? Does that take the pressure off? Because you don't have to rank them. You don't have to live with that hierarchy. A lot of us grew up with that hierarchy. Where do you prefer to live? Is it better here or better there? Which is the best weather? Which language do you think in or dream in or whatever? There's some sort of hierarchy we're so often offered. So let's just put it to like. Let's bring it to preferences or just enjoyments. What do you like? That's so much easier for me to answer. When it comes to food, right now, I am loving aubergine or eggplant. I am loving tomato and cucumber salads. I'm loving loving anything lemon. Then the answers just pour out because I didn't have to decide they were my favourites. I could also focus on the right now. And that's the last portion of that phrase or that, that new question. If no one is going to be weird about it, what do you like right now? Right now, I think, is really important for us as TCKs because a lot of the time we don't put a fix on our identity because it sounds like we have to commit to being that forever and ever. A lot of us struggle with that. We don't have that kind of experience of longevity and it can feel an awful lot like being trapped. So don't commit yourself to anything except now. You'll still find out more about you and you'll still be able to communicate about you in the now, much more than if you just shut that door completely on even exploring what you're liking. So right now, what are you like? What are you enjoying? What are you gravitating towards? What brings joy to your life? 
There's so many things that I can imagine you're answering right now because I'm really hoping that this is such a simple way but such a fundamental way to unlock who we are. We're made up of these constellations of preferences and experiences but we often need to find a way of talking about them that doesn't fix us, that doesn't tie us into a particular form that we're going to feel stuck in, but that does give space for us to connect with other people by offering up a bit of who we are. Right now, in the summer, I am loving walking barefoot. That's part of my story. It's an echo from my childhood and it's true now. I invite you to just spend a minute, spend more than a minute. You're worth all the time in the world. Spend as long as feels good to you. And just, what do you like? If it wasn't going to create a strange or uncomfortable reaction in people around you and if it was an option right here today, what would you do? What would you enjoy? Thank you so much for listening. Bye.